if you don't mind a tingling spine or a lump in your throat. If you kind of get a thrill feeling the hair stand up on the back of your neck or you just can't get enough of the eerie, turn down the lights, snuggle up with a blanket and keep your feet tucked up safe because we've got a story for you. It happened to a friend of a friend. Here we go. We're starting. Hi. Hi. How are you? It's been, I feel like it's been a while. No. Has it been a while? Has it been two weeks? No. I don't know. I went to see Hamilton. Again? Mm -hmm. You're a Hamilton whore. You're a whore Molten. Oh, I went with my father. (laughs) Well, that made that awkward. It did. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. He said he liked it, but he didn't know it was all rapping. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) I like that. We're eating. You know, I'm very concentrated on this. But um, yeah, did he like like it or no? No, he liked it. He said it was kind of hard to follow, which I get because it's really fast. Mm -hmm. So like, as I said before, I've listened to the soundtrack numerous times, Mm -hmm. so I have no problem following it. But I told him, like, watch the Disney Plus like performance, listen to the soundtrack a little bit. So you kind of oh, know. Oh, was it like, yeah, was it, it's harder to follow like in, because I watched the Disney one. I didn't see it. Yeah. It's good. We're going to Wonderland tomorrow. Oh yeah. Like the pre-opening. Yeah. You lucky bitch. I'm excited. Well, you could have come too. I just didn't know if you'd want to. Yeah. I mean, it's too late. I work tomorrow, which I never oh. work on Saturdays, but yeah, was my answer. Well, if I get the same opportunity next year, I'll ask you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just really want this piece of pizza. Okay. Mm-hmm. The boys are excited. They've planned out their rides that they want to go on. Will they go on scary rides? I don't know. Nick wanted to go on the Yukon Striker. It's super fun. It's the best ride. But I think he watched a video of it, and now he's not sure. It's the best ride. I'll talk to him before I go. Okay. It's so good. It's okay. not even as scary as you think. No. I feel like our volume's really low, but I feel like I said that all the time and then it's fine, so I'm not sure. Mm. <laughs> it looks low. But other than like actually holding the microphone to my face, I don't know what else to do. Poop, 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 shadoop. Anyway, what's new with you? Nothing. No? Nothing. Like literally nothing. I can't even think of anything. Oh. Okay. Boring. Boring. That's it. Is this flatbread good? It is really good, actually. I'm really digging it today. Can I have this piece here? Sure. I feel like this is so far a very disappointing episode. No, it's not. We just don't have anything exciting going on. That's so unlike us. I don't know. I No, I really don't think. I don't know. They tell you about the cops at our house. I went no. To, I went to a Blue Jays game, which but is make it what quick. inspired my... <laughs> <laughs> We're not interesting. Hurry up. <laughs> um, I went to a Blue Jays game. That's what inspired my story. Okay. And um, but before we went, the cops like was knocking at our door at like seven a.m. on a Saturday, and I like opened the thing and I'm like, I look, but they're at like all of our doors, every neighbor, like across the street, like the five houses I could see across the street, and all of our neighbors. And they went in our backyard looking for somebody. Really? Yeah. And they gave us no details, so I think they were chasing somebody. Did you have to like stay in your residences? No, like I was. I went outside because he was in the backyard, and he. I was. He. I don't know. It was very vague and weird. They did find the person eventually. So okay. No details though. Interesting. Yeah, I think we're getting new neighbors. 
You are, and it's not me. It's not you. I'm sad. Yeah, I'm not moving in your shit neighborhood. Just this kidding. Is a nice My next door neighbor is a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a guy down the street is a drug dealer. So I mean, same. Cheers to suburban areas that are kind of nice, Wee. but still host drug dealers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the drug dealer has been foreclosed on, so they have to move out soon. Okay. And then I'll get new neighbors. Hopefully yours are fun. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see. To be continued. Yes. Well, I'm Megan. I'm Sarah. And this is? It happened to a friend of a friend. I always want to say who wants to be a millionaire. Well, then just say who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> But that's not what this is called. Well, I know, but you can still say what you want to say. Are you first this time? I think so. Let me open up to my page. You did Titanic last time, right? I did, yes. I okay. think you're first. I'm first? I think so. Okay. My sources are statutesandstories.com. Don't look. It's got to be a surprise. I know, but I saw murder and I was like, oh. Murder. Did we do the same story? historicalblindness.com, murderbygaslight.com, listverse.com, and encyclopedia.com. Mine didn't have those sources, so. Do you want me to tell you what I titled it? Mm-hmm. I titled it Levi Weeks, a.k.a. the Manhattan Well Murder, a.k.a. the first recorded murder trial in America. Ooh. I know. You love old-timey history I stuff. love the oldie-timeys. Did we do the benders? Did you do the benders? Who were they? Okay, well, you didn't do them. No, I might have. I just might have forgotten. Mm. I'd, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm afraid to pick a story because sometimes I forget what I've done and I've forgotten what you've done. So <laughs> I wanted to do the benders and I was like, I think Sarah did them because they're old timey. Maybe. I can't remember if I've done the benders or not. Probably. Okay. Anyway, here we go. Gentlemen of the jury, I'm curious. Bear with me. Are you aware that we're making history? This is the first murder trial of our brand new nation. If you're a musical lover, or if you're a musical lover, you may recognize these lines from a little-known musical called Hamlet, Hamilton. Don't know if you've heard of it. We literally just talked about it. I know we did. <laughs> this line is in the song. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's in the song nonstop. I enjoy this show. And after one of my various random Hamilton researches, because I research it as I listen to the soundtrack sometimes, <laughs> so I can get more information on it, um, Hamilton researches, I found out more of the story behind the verse. The first recorded murder trial in the U.S. took place in New York in 1800 and featured a man named Levi Weeks. His name is also in the song. Um, well, Levi Weeks sounds familiar. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay. Um, he was accused of murdering his girlfriend, Elma Sands. Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, along with Brockholst Livingston, put aside their differences and defended Weeks. But oh. we're getting ahead of things. What? We have to go back to the beginning. I can't do it without food in my mouth. What? A very good place to start. Let's start at the very beginning. Okay. First, a brief history on the state of New York during the end of the final days of the 1700s. Because we're in the olden times, and sometimes you gotta give some background. And I like olden times. I know you love olden times. Yeah. And when I say brief history, like, it's very brief. Okay. Okay. Um, men's underwear brief? Yes. 
In December 1799, New York was recovering from a yellow fever epidemic caused by unclean water. Just as things were getting gross. I know, it always comes back to water. Excuse me, just as things were getting back to normal, the city began mourning the death of General George Washington. Politics were evolving, the city was evolving, and Alma Sands, who had gone missing a week or so prior, was about to be found, mm -hmm. setting off a new news story. Juliana Sands, Elma to her friends, and I will refer to her as Elma, okay. was born in 1777 in upstate New York from a respectable Quaker family. She moved into a boarding house owned by her cousin Catherine and Catherine's husband Elias Ring. Boarding houses were common in New York at the time as more people were moving to the city and needed places to stay until they could find permanent residences. In addition to the boarding room, the Rings also owned a dry goods shop, millinery operation where Elma and a millinery operation where Elma worked. She was in New York living her life for about three years. Some of the sources I found said three years. Some of them said she had only been there for a year. I don't know. Um, when she met Levi Weeks, Levi was also boarding in the same boarding house and the two quickly struck up a romantic connection with each other. They tried to keep the romance a secret, but it's rumored they were caught on two occasions having relations, Ooh. which was just not a thing an unwed woman did in those days. At least not like out in public. Unless you were a Hormilton. Yes, unless you were a Hormilton. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whore in Hamilton. I know. I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean sex worker. Sex worker. Sex work is work. <laughs> Not if it's a good time. <laughs> Sorry. Eventually, the pair decided to elope and make things official. On December 22nd, 1799, Elma confided in her cousin, Hope Sands, who is also a resident of the boarding house. I think she was Catherine's sister. Um... She confided in her cousin that she was leaving that night to marry Levi. Now, while Levi Weeks, and I'll probably just, refer, I think I just refer to him as Levi for most of this, waited in the boarding house sitting room, supposedly waiting for Elma, and Elma got ready in her room, um, they were doing whatever they were doing, and then eventually they both left, but apparently no one actually saw them leave the house together. Okay. There were footsteps heard rushing down the steps and whispers at the door, but it could have been anyone rushing out in the night. A friend said they saw Elma with a friend on Greenwich Street that night, but they couldn't identify the friend, and she quickly got lost in the crowd. Hmm. This would be the last time Elma would be seen alive. Later that night, Levi returned to the boarding house alone. When her cousin did not return, Catherine, Catherine Ring became suspicious of Levi. Over the next few days, the rings searched everywhere for Elma. Elias even hired someone to drag the Hudson for a corpse. Christmas and New Year's came and went with no sign of Elma. It wasn't until January 2nd, 1800, when a boy found a muff. A muff is a thing that you wear on your hands. Not a vagina. No, I was going to say not the other word for a vagina. Yeah. Just so, you, just so people know. What? You feel, I feel like you want to say something. I want to say that I really like muff diver shots. They're really good. Have you ever had a muff diver? No. It's um, whipped cream on top of tequila rose, and it's delicious. I used to drink tequila rose when I first started And you've never drinking. done a muff dive? I can't no. wait till we go to a bar together. I'm going to order us muff dives. Okay. 
And number two, I always wanted a muff when I was little. It was like bougie Russian princess. Fancy candy. people had muffs. Yeah, I wanted one of those when I was young. I just thought it was like the epitome of like sophistication. Spoiler alert, you have one. Oh, <laughs> it's warm too. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Okay. Um, so when a boy found a muff similar to the one Elma borrowed the night she went missing. When Elias heard this news, he went to the boy's home to show him where he found the item. Elias, the boy, and the boy's father made their way across the field where they came upon a hole with boards closing it up. It was known as the Manhattan Well and was part of Aaron Burr's Manhattan <gasps> Company. That's um, why he was all up in Burr. As a source for a new water project. Side note, the whole Burr water project thing is a whole other story, but we're not getting into that. But I want to know. It... People do say that that's why Aaron Berg kind of was willing to take this case because he was connected with yeah. the Man- and it it also has connections like with like the Manhattan Chase Bank and like there's this all these avenues with this Ooh. Manhattan Well project with Aaron Burr. Yeah. Aaron Burr, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um so they found the well. If you haven't watched Hamilton, watch it. It's freaking good. Well, every time I keep saying like I want to say 17 1776. Yeah, I got you. I got it. Okay, so they found the well, and after probing it with some poles, they eventually retrieved the lifeless body of Elma. The coroner performed an autopsy and was found to not be, and she wasn't found to be pregnant. I guess there was suspicion of that. Oh, okay. And there were bruises on various parts of her body, leading to the allegations of murder. Even though there was not any real evidence against him, since he was the last person to allegedly see Elma alive, Levi Weeks was indicted for her murder. At the time, it was custom for Quakers to display the bodies of dead family members in the parlor for viewing before, before burial. Since so many people came to burial. view... Burial. Burial. Sorry. Bur- burial. Since so many people came to view Elma's body, her cousin eventually had to move the casket to the street. Friends and family guarded Elma for the three days prior to burial. Levi's reputation in the city took a hit, but luckily he had the wealth and status of his brother Ezra to help him. Ezra was an established carpenter who helped build and develop Hamilton's mansion. Hamilton apparently owed Ezra Weeks money and maybe part of the reason that he agreed to take the case. <laughs> Why is this not in Hamilton? <laughs> there is like a small part in Hamilton. It doesn't go into all of this. Yeah, case, yeah I'm going to watch this later. But they do... Like the line that I said at the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah, no, but I this. want more. Well, they can't. Then it would be a whole different musical. Well, I'll, I'll. The musical is I'll not about the Levi Weeks case. Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> and I'm going to get him to do a musical side play, a, a spinoff. Yeah, a spinoff. <laughs> um, so Ezra was also Levi's alibi, as it stated that they were having dinner together the night Elma went missing. Thanks to his brother, Levi had. Quote, the dream team of the 1800s legal team. Wow. (laughs) Like OJ's team. Exactly, yes. Levi's trial began on March 31st, 1800 at 10 a.m. Large crowds gathered around City Hall and followed Levi as he was escorted from jail. This was a huge event in New York. The number of people made it difficult for the trial to proceed in the beginning. The prosecution had very little evidence connecting Levi to Elma's murder and had to rely on the circumstantial kind, and they had to create a narrative that supported their claims. 
Basically, their story was that Levi killed Alma to avoid marriage and because she was allegedly pregnant. But remember, she was not. Yes. Because they tested that. But she could have said she was. Or people just spread that rumor. Maybe. I don't know. Prosecutor Caldwellader Colden provided testimony that Levi's brother Slay was seen out at night with the bells removed to remain undetected. The claim was the sleigh was the claim was that the sleigh was used to transport Alma to the well. The defense basically raised doubt due to all the circumstantial evidence and no hard proof of Levi's guilt. It was stated Levi was with his brother and various others at a dinner on the night in question. <coughs> but he wasn't. He was waiting for her. But remember, no one actually saw them leave together. Okay. They just know that he was waiting and he left. And then at one point, Alma was in her room That's and then left. That's still weird, though, if they were planning on leaving together. I know, but no one saw them leave. That's why it's all circumstantial. Yeah, so that's like, what they were arguing. You don't go to dinner with people if you were planning on leaving to elope together. But who knows? Okay. No one knows. No one was in the room where it happened. <laughs> okay. It's also in the If you don't sing it, I know. <laughs> if you don't sing it, it doesn't count. I'm, I want to be in the room where it I'm not going to sing it. so bad. I am so bad. That's why I don't want to sing it. No, you're not bad. You're just doing it so so, so quiet. Anyway, where was I? So, yeah. So, he was at dinner with his brother and various others. I think it's very convenient that he was with his brother, who was his alibi. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, when the prosecution brought forth Levi's knowledge of where Elma was found, the defense counsel, because I guess when... Someone found the muff. Levi was like, oh, was she found by the well kind of thing? So like, ah. like when that, when the yeah, boy. Yeah, no, I yeah. get it. But like, duh, then obviously he did it. But then, so the defense countered by saying he had heard about the muff that was found near the well from people in the boarding house and around the city. So people were talking about it. So by the time it got oh. to him, he was probably like, oh, by the well? Because he had already heard people talking about it. One of the main witnesses the prosecution had was Richard Croucher. I can't read my writing. I think I wrote Croucher. They had him testify about the relationship between Levi and Elma and that he saw the two leave together the night of December 22nd. Through some testimony and questioning by the defense, it was revealed Richard seemed to resent Elma and Levi because of a previous encounter. Apparently, he had made some kind of invasive physical contact with Alma, and Levi came to defend her, and the two, the two men fought. Richard was also the one who started the rumor that Levi murdered Alma, which quickly spread. Various witnesses testified they heard Richard talking about Levi's guilt. There's a dramatic moment in the court where either Burr or Hamilton, depending on which story you read, mm -hmm. um, holds a candle to Richard's face so a witness could be seen could see and identify him as the rumor spreader. So Richard was oh, yeah, there yeah. and another told you another this? witness needed to the light to see, yeah, that was the guy that told me that. Um, and kind of a side note, after the trial, Richard assaulted and raped his stepdaughter. <gasps> he allegedly threatened to kill her the same way as Elma. This ignited the murder suspicion even after the trial along with the fact that he was arrested various other times and ultimately he was put to death for heinous for a heinous crime. It didn't say what it was, it just says heinous crime. Okay. Well, there was also the thought that Elma had killed herself. She had been melancholy. 
I like in the olden times they're melancholy. Yeah, like oh, I'm just suffering from melancholia. And they, they, they put the back of their hand to their and oh, I'm gonna be like I can't come to work. I have melancholia. Melancholy and the infinite sadness. I'm a Smashing Pumpkins album. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna see if my new boss knows the Smashing Pumpkins. I'm just gonna tell her that one day. Um, so yeah, so she had been melancholy. She had mentioned threats of suicide to her cousin, and she used laudanum, which is a form of opium. Oh, typically she's a drug addict. Yes. Whore. So <laughs> typically trials in these olden days lasted one day. Um, but because of the spectacle this one created, it went on for two days, basically almost through the night. Like it went on till, like it started at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. on the one day. I think it went to like 1 a.m. that That's following why they morning. The candlelight. Yes, exactly. Because there was no electricity. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone was told to like sleep in the courtroom kind of thing. Oh, like you can't leave. And then it restarted. Um, and then. Wait, they, they could have been sleeping in the courtroom with a murderer? Possibly. Ew. Um, So they, yeah, both sides arguing into the night. When the jury was sent to deliberate a verdict, they came back just five minutes later. So I think it went to like 2 a.m. Like the next morning or whatever. They came back five minutes later. So super quick. Due to insufficient evidence, the jury found Levi Weeks not guilty. Hmm. The verdict didn't change the public opinion of him, and he was soon forced to leave New York to escape the gossip. Mm. Levi eventually settled in Natche. I have no idea how to say this. It's N-A-T-C-H-E-Z, Mississippi. He became a successful architect. He married. He had several children, and he died at the age of only 43. But Hmm. maybe that's a long time back in those days. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, everybody was dying from the water before. So exactly. Probably. A um, raindrop fell on him and he had a heart attack. Maybe. Um, in 1804, Hamilton and Burr met for that fateful duel that we, or at least Americans, now know. Nice. The, the end. end. Yes. So I got a little of my Hamilton in there, a little bit of true crime, a little bit old timey. It had everything. Did I tell you how, I don't know if I told you this. I've told other people before, but like I went to New York mm-hmm. when Hamilton had premiered and um, they wanted to go see Hamilton. And I was like, I don't want to see Hamilton. I was like, it's like American anti-Canadian <laughs> monarchy history. I don't want to see that. And now I love it. And I'm kicking myself because it was the original cast. And like to this day, I'm like, I could have seen Hamilton original cast and I didn't mm-hmm. even know better. And I just didn't. And now like if I could go back and glitch the Matrix, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, is- I mean, if I could go back in time, I would do lots of things, but like, damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Who knew? Everyone knew. But I didn't know. You didn't know. No. Are you ready for my story? Yes. I saw Rent. Oh, yeah. Was it good? It was okay. I like Rent. I like the movie. I'm satisfied with the movie. I don't know if I need to see it live. It's all right. Okay. Noted. I saw my son's little school play and he performed a little poem. Aw. Yeah, like a spring your spring talent show thing. Like a spring fling? No, like a spring talent fling. We all know about his spring fling, but that's his special. Mm. Anyways, moving on. Okay, so I'm, I have a two-parter. Ooh, another one. Because what happens is there's a story and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the story. It's nice and quick. It's just like one murder, et cetera, whatever. And... Then it turns out to be, like, really long and complicated. And then I'm like, fuck, two-parter. 
So okay. um, I'm going to do the story of Athalia Ponzo Lindsay. So we are going to St. Augustine, Florida, and it's uh, a pretty, at the time, it was a pretty wealthy neighborhood. Um, they had these Spanish-style mansions that were really beautiful. And so it was between 5.30 p.m. and 6 p.m. on January 23rd in 1974, when 18-year-old Locke McCormick, cool name, by the way, heard a commotion next door at 124 Marine Street. He later said that he had heard a slapping slash clapping sound. When he looked out the window, um, and then he also did apparently go outside, he reportedly yelled to his mother to call the police, know the ambulance first, and that, quote, Mr. Stanford was hitting Mrs. Ponzel. Okay, so it's the first little thing that we know. At 101 Marine Street, so down the road, a car stopped and asked a Mr. Brunson, who was sitting on his porch, to call for help because a woman had fallen out a window and blood was everywhere. Oh, at 6.08 p.m., Locke had, in fact, called the police. Um, Next-door neighbor Patty Stanford also heard screaming around this time, which turned out to be the late, the neighbors, not the murder happening. Um, I'll explain a little bit later, I guess. Or you'll see why later. Um, and she looked out the window to see her neighbor, 56-year-old Athalia Ponza Lindsay, sprawled at the bottom of her front steps, mangled and bloody. Ooh. Uh, Patty Stanford later said she wished she'd never looked. Police arrived, police finally arrived to many bystanders and a bloody mess. Mrs. Athalia Ponza Lindsay had been nearly decapitated with a sharp object, later determined to be a machete. There were other lacerations on her um, arms and legs, and um, an autopsy later would say about nine strikes were made total, and that the weapon was really sharp due to the clean cuts. Um, the wound in her neck, because it was nearly decapitated right um was a swift blow and that she would have died instantly hence Ooh. how they knew patty stanford's screaming was from the neighbors and not the murder itself they immediately knew that this was a crime of passion that it was likely targeted and that it was full of hatred oh bum, bum, bum. i don't know <laughs> i feel like i need to insert sound sound <laughs> okay so who are Sound you? Effect. Who are you and what are you doing here? Ooh. I did it just for you. Oh, you did it. Who are you? What are you doing here? And who would want you dead? So oh. we'll start with Athelia okay. Ponzel. So Athelia Ponzel was born uh, July 25th, 1917 in Toledo, Ohio. So her family lived in Cuba and I guess her mom went to Ohio to have her and they were extremely wealthy, like okay. sick, sick wealth. Um, her father was a magnet. Ooh. I don't know what that actually means. I was going to Google it. I'm not smart enough. But. What kind of magnet? I don't know. Like an oil magnet? I think it was marble. Marble? I don't know. It's actually really hard to find information on the story. Wow. Um, it's not a really well-covered story. Um, and they should probably open How is it two case. parts then? Because it's just a lot. There's okay. A lot, a lot of moving parts. <laughs> okay. Um, she, was a, she was beautiful. So mm -hmm. she was wealthy. She was a socialite. And she was a model. She danced on Broadway. She was in Vogue magazine at, some, at one point. So oh she, my gosh, she danced on Broadway. And my story is in Broadway, on Broadway. always. <gasps> it all comes so, back to each other. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. There's a few other synchronicities. We're good at this game. I know. It's so weird. Um, so, and, um, so the, so she was a model dancer on Broadway. Um, she was a hostess. 
Um, and she even had political ambitions. So she was, um, so she did actually run for a few things. And yeah, she was like a really, you know, she was like, she had the it factor. She actually dated JFK's older brother. Um, and it was expected that they would be married, but he died in World War II. So they, okay. they thought that they were eventually, when he came back, they were going to get married, but he died in active duty. Um, she did marry a few times. I'm trying to like be brief because you can do more. Um, <laughs> and so she lived in Jacksonville for a while. And then she eventually made her way to St. Augustine, Florida. I guess that's where she lived when she was young. So she and her mother moved there. Um, in blah, 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 blah. She, when she lived in Jacksonville, she was really popular. She was a member of like the Daughters of the Revolution of America, whatever. I don't know what it's called. Cause like Lorelai's mom? Yes, that thing. The D-A-R, Daughters of the American Revolution. Revolution. Yeah. In other charitable organizations, she was just very involved. Um, she was always trying to like make change. Um, she seemed like a really wonderful woman. And she was, like I said, she was very popular. But when her and her mom moved to um, this new neighborhood, she received a less than warm welcome. Okay. So almost immediately, like nobody liked them. Um, she, her mom actually died shortly after their move, like a year, I think it was a year after their move, not even. Um, but immediately uh, things didn't go so well. But first, bum, 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 less than five months before the murder, she married realtor and former St. Augustine mayor, James Jinx in quotations, Lindsay. So Jinx was his nickname. Suspect number one. Ooh, okay. So I don't know. You know how it's hard to like actually sort your own story out? 100%. I have that problem on like what what avenue do I want to go with Because this? some, some you, can, you can start from the life and times of the person or you can start from the murder or you can start yeah. from like the end. Like you can start anywhere when you're telling a story. So suspect number one, um, ob ob obviously the husband is automatically the main suspect, right? Um, they had known each other for a very short period of time and they had only been married for five months. Um, the, there were letters sent to Athalia's sister that said that there were some issues, but like, it's normal to complain to your family about your husband who doesn't mm -hmm. complain to people about their husbands. I never do. Um, <laughs> really funny. <laughs> In the middle of my thing, Mike was calling, Mike said that, um, to stop talking or stop chewing my Doritos like a cow. Cause I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> and I was like, how dare you? And he was like, oh, God. And then it, like, spawned into, like, all these cow things. But I wrote them down in my book as I was doing my notes. So I have them all, like, right in the middle of my notes. But it went on. for And, like, every two minutes I would think of something and then I would say it. And then I would write it down. It was so funny. But there's, like, eight here. Um, anyway. Anyways, back to my story. Um, otherwise, the marriage seemed fine. And friends and even her sister said they that they were relatively happy. Um, it was kind of complicated, but being that they married later on in life, like he was 65 and she was 56, I think those were the ages, um, they had owned their own houses. They had already had their own lives. Um, yep. Her house was full of like, she had her, she had pets. She had her mother's belongings in it. And the plan was to sell her house and for them to like amalgamate and move together. But the market was stale. He was a realtor actually. And they had it on the market and it wasn't moving. There was just no traction. Like I said, the market wasn't great. So they had taken off the market and then they were going to place it back on the market in the spring. But basically she stayed at her place. He stayed at his, but they actually spent a lot of time together in between. Um, but, but, but where am I? 
Meanwhile, Athalia mainly resided there while James was at his house. She had um, lots of pets, which I'll talk about a little bit later too. On that day, that day, also, side note, <laughs> okay. later on in history, that day, January 23rd, would be declared the saddest day of the year. Oh. Like, you know how they have that day in yeah, winter yeah. that is the saddest day of the year? Yeah. That's the day. Aw. So the pair had grabbed groceries for their places. They were in town. They grabbed groceries together. And they were planning on having a dinner to celebrate Chinese New Year. I guess during, they had had lunch together. And during her lunch, she actually had fish and she cut it with a fork. She said it was unlucky to use a blade on Chinese New Year. Okay. I've never I heard that. Ironic. I've never heard it either, but it's a little, a little weird. Um... So they basically split up to go to their individual houses. Um, they kind of had a plan to meet up. So they split to go. Um, she was seen leaving James's office by witnesses at 5.35. Um, James had gone back into his office, filed some paperwork or whatever, and left shortly after that. Athelia was going to put hers away and take care of her animals, like let them out and stuff, and then go to James, James's in about an hour's time, so like right away, um, to make dinner together. James said he had tried to call Athalia to bring her newspaper for him because his didn't show up, um, but there was no answer. He just assumed that she was maybe out in the yard with the pets. At 6.30, um, after he'd gone outside to adjust his own sprinklers, he answered his phone, being told by a friend to get to Athalia's house, something has happened. Um, and then another friend called and then another friend. Basically, people were like, move it. Right. So it's obviously a tight enough community that they are, they all call each other and everybody talks. And this happened pretty quickly. Like the, the incident happened between 5.30 and 6. And then at 6.30, he's getting calls from neighbors, friends, and friends, and friends, and friends. So it's gone down the line. Mm -hmm. His timeline, though, is pretty tight. Like okay. by the time he sees his office and by the time he's seen at his house, there's like a 15 minute window. Um, so, um, like basically he could have gone there and killed her really quickly and jumped in the car, but like, it doesn't leave enough time for like the cleaning up between the people who had seen him. So mm -hmm. really it, it didn't work in the end. Um, he said he was like, he got, he was pretty broken up about the finger being pointed at him and all of it too, because he was like, it's one thing to be, which people always say, like, it's one thing to be, um, to lose a loved one so close, it's another to be accused of that crime. Um, and then, oh, so then they also didn't, like, nobody reported seeing any bloody clothes. Nobody reported seeing a strange demeanor. He wasn't, like, running around being crazy or anything like that. Like, he just parked his car when his house was doing his thing. Right. Um, now, back then, forensics wasn't a thing. So at the scene, so anyways, we can cross off, we can pretty much cross off suspect number one. Okay. Thank so, you. So forensics at the time <laughs> wasn't really a thing. So there was a lot of blood at the scene um, and it was actually hosed away. Like the police hosed down and started cleaning up the blood because there were so many spectators and they were like, we have to like, this is gory. Like everyone's coming to see it. We have to clean it up. Mm -hmm. um, but notably there was a trail that led from the front steps where her body was to the south side over a hedge slash wall. Cause that's what I read both both those things, to the neighbors, the Stanfords. Okay. If you remember, and I'll get to this point later on, Locke McCormick said Mr. Stanfield is hitting um, Mrs. Ponzel. Okay. That will later be retracted somewhat. 
So suspect number two, neighbor Alan Stanford. Mm -hmm. But why? So when the police talked to um, Jinx, (laughs) I love that. Um, So when the police talked to him, he said, like, there's one person, there's one obvious person I could think did this. So Athalia was well-liked and popular, like I said, in her previous communities. Um, But upon her arrival, um, her neighbors in her community were not very welcoming. Um, Athalia loved animals, and she had seven dogs at one point, even a goat. Um, So at the time of her death, she also had a blue jay. Why? That's why I did the story um, that she was nursing to health. Um, So these animals caused the neighbor to file some complaints, especially from the Stanfords specifically. Um, She did eventually have to, enough complaints were filed that she did actually end up getting rid of some of her dogs. Okay. Um, So kind of like lowering that number. Um, There was also a complaint that she had trimmed a tree, even though it was on her property. So it was the neighbor's tree on her property and she had somebody come in and do the pruning. So that was a big issue and there was a complaint filed because of that. Other neighbors, not the Stanfields or the McCormicks, complained about the lights in her yard shining into their house. Um, That's actually a pretty common complaint. I have that issue with my neighbors, but their lights are like super bright, like really bright. Mm -hmm. And they're all hours of the night because they're dealing drugs. And you mentioned that. (laughs) I know. I just can't not. I feel like everyone street probably has a drug dealer or two on it. They were just like a really nice couple and she died and then he fell in with like a shitty crowd. He's like all mm. depressed there. He's pretty old. He's like in his 60s. Okay. And he's, I don't know, like I said, he's going to be, they're going to be gone soon. But like people, he's not really dealing. It's people that he's with. Mm-hmm. It's just gross. And we live in a pretty nice neighborhood. So, you know. Anyways, there was another incident also where for privacy, I think she had put up, um, she'd planted like 10 foot bamboo at the end of her, at the end of her drive. Um, between her and the Stanfords, and they complained and she had to take it down. Okay. So quite a bit. So the complaints kind of uh, got to Athalia too. Like she was obviously being targeted. Um, And so she was confident and smart and she retaliated. So she actually started filing complaints on the Stanfords specifically, um, on um, Alan Stanford, um, due to his ineptitude. He was actually the city's county manager. Even though he was not a certified civil engineer, he was given this position. Um, and he was allowed to stay in this position despite his lack of like the schooling of education mm-hmm. um, because of his experience. <laughs> Basically, his patriarchy, right? Like his right. old boys club, his money, all of his friends, all that shit. Did he have someone on the inside that he knew? Yeah, like I think it's just the community, right? Like you just, when you're in that kind of community. Like, right. They lift everybody up. And um, so she was able to prove, first of all, his turnover was like 150% in his company, like under his, in his office. Mm-hmm. Um, people were constantly being fired. So he had a lot of people who were ready to talk. Oh. And Athalia got a hold of those people and she was able to challenge his education and the decisions he made. Um, and they, they weren't, it wasn't unfounded. So she would show up at the, these um, commissioner's meetings and she would challenge, like do these challenges file these complaints and uh, she did her research so she was accurate on the day of her death in fact alan had been confronted um and they they were basically going to be looking into it and although they said he was like really calm and taking the news he hated athalia Mm -hmm. he even threatened her life once 
Ooh. To be continued. Oh my goodness. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. There's another suspect coming. <clears throat> okay. There's some evidence coming. I can't wait. And all that good stuff. Love it. I didn't write the rest of the notes. So it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Ooh. Unless you go Google it or listen to it. Unless you Google. There's not a lot. It's not like a, it's not one that there's a, that's covered a lot, actually. It's okay. covered here and there. And I watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved. Ooh, that's fun. It's always fun to watch a thing about a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What's your throwback? So my throwback. You said you have to show me a picture, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe you'll just know what it is. Okay. Okay. Now, I know he's problematic. Uh-oh. But I'm focusing more on the other characters in the show and not him. Okay. So you remember the Cosby show? <clears throat> yes. Okay. Remember? <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this already? No. <laughs> but yeah, he's problematic. Okay. Yes. But we're not focusing. Okay, okay, okay. We're okay. not focusing on him. Okay. Do you remember the episode where Theo wanted the designer shirt? No. <gasps> okay, so he wanted the designer shirt <laughs> by this designer, Gordon Gartrell. And okay. I guess it was like $95. Okay. And he was told, no, you're not getting money for this shirt. Okay. So then Denise mm -hmm. was like, oh, I can make you that same shirt in like Home Ec or wherever she oh, can make yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was like, okay, great. Like, I'll pay you however much he was going to pay her for yeah. it. So she makes the shirt. And so it's a knockoff of this, like. And oh, I my have, gosh. Is it the shirt that's, like, the sideways yes, shirt? Yes. I remember. I remember. I like, know what you're talking she's about. She's like, maybe you just have to tuck it in. And he's like, it's tucked into my socks. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yes. So, and apparently, fun fact. Why? Because fun, fun facts are fun. Bing. You had to. We couldn't go one episode I know. without it. Gordon Gartrell was a producer on the show. Oh. So they used the name. So yeah, my throwback is the knockoff Gordon Gartrell shirt. Oh, you better post that shirt. I will. It's like yellow. Is that what? It's yellow, yellow like and there's gold. like some yeah. darker accents yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, I know like exactly what one you're side is about. like longer than the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, I was focusing on them because the other actors in the show are still good, and we want to still give like That's them some true. credit. Like yeah. Lisa Bonet was married to Jason Momoa and oh, yeah, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, I like want like, to be in a Lisa Bonet, Lenny Kravitz, Jason Momoa. <laughs> Sandwich, and if not, I mean, Zoe Kravitz, like their offspring, is also quite attractive. Exactly, I'm all and in. I mean, Malcolm Jamal Warner, like, yeah, he was the voice of the producer on when Magic on Magic School Bus. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. When they would call in, he'd be like producer speaking. It's Malcolm oh, Jamal yeah, cool. So, yeah, the Gordon Gartrell knockoff shirt. That's oh, my throwback. Nice. Yeah, I have two. So one was because of the Blue Jays, the 1992 and 1993 World Series that the Blue Jays won. I remember those. Good times. Everybody I got in, a t-shirt. In Ontario remembers that. <laughs> Roberto Alomar. Yeah. And then, so my other is because I had, was telling you about the conversation I had about like slides and socks with my employee. And then what I realized was, because she was like, he wore slides without socks. And then I got like really defensive and I was like, slides with socks are bullshit. It's just blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of went on a little tangent about like, um, like what people wear today. And like, I was telling you like leggings and then jogging pants everywhere. And I love jogging pants. They're my favorite thing, but I won't wear them like to things. Like if I'm going out for the day, I'm not putting jogging pants on. If I'm running to the store, yes. I wear them to the movies if I'm going to an evening show. So yeah, okay. That's fair. <laughs> you want your cozies at the movies. I get that. But you're not going to like... But if I'm going out okay, with wait. friends after, but I then, won't wear them. But then I had had like this analysis in my head and I was like, I'm just bitter because 
I was like, I talked to her, she was like 20. I was like, when you went to high school, you got to wear a top knot in your hair. Like you just threw your hair up in an ugly bun on top and you wore jogging pants and you got to wear these stupid slides with like socks to school. If I did that in high school, I would have been like barred. I couldn't sit with anybody. You can't and then, sit with us. And then I showed her a picture of like the velour tracksuits, which the are coming back. Suits? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Emma, but pay attention to this picture. Like, cause it had a bunch of the back to back. And I was like, they have nice footwear. Their makeup is like to the Spot tits. On. Their hair is like long, blonde, curl, like, you know, the big curls. That like, I can't do in my hair even if I tried. French manicure. Like I couldn't wear a top, <laughs> not bun. No makeup mm -hmm. and slides, like I would have been executed. This is what I had to look like. That was my leisure wear. That was like my bumming outfit when I went to high school. You're very angry. I was so. <laughs> Could you imagine though? You were. You were. That was your time too. Like, well, I'm a little bit older. Kind that, of, I guess. You still had to, you could not have gotten away with any of that kind of shit in high school. We couldn't wear, I got in trouble because I wore spaghetti straps one time. Yeah. I had to wear a but what sweater. But what was your leisure wear that we you wore in high school to be like cool? Okay, first of all, I was not cool in high school. Yeah, I mean, you're not cool now. But. I'm not cool now. But I especially was not cool in high school. Okay. I wore, I think I had cargo pants. I never owned track pants in high school. Okay. Because I, I never found track pants that... Looked because right the velour on me. suits were after your time. Yes, when I was in high school, yes. Okay, velour track suits were not when I was in yeah. high school. That was more like when I went to university and kind of even a little bit after university. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. There's no way in high school you could get away with wearing things like leggings and athletic wear. To no, I when I was in school, I was like, "That's I'm bullshit. trying to think." And, you, and makeup was full makeup. It was full makeup. It was hours of hair. I didn't do that all the time. I'm super lazy. People wore a lot of like jeans and like. Maybe like a khaki colored pant that had a flare at the leg. Yeah, cargos, that's coming in. All this shit's coming back in style. I, I can't wait. I can't wait till all my little girls that work for me have to wear velour suits and do their hair <laughs> and diet <laughs> and diet. Are you going to tell them to go home and change? <laughs> in the last 10 years, they haven't had to diet in high school. We had like skinny bitches. Remember? Remember? Mm-hmm. Anyways, rant, rant done. You're so angry. I didn't realize how much that bothered me until you like until angry. she was like talking about the slides and I was like, you're so lucky you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there was a lot of people that wore, I think people that wore track pants, like people kind of made fun of them. They did when we were in school. Yeah. That's, you couldn't wear like you wouldn't wear jogging pants at school. I don't think remember that unless you were like super... remember the Fubu jogging. You could do those, but they cost like nine hundred dollars. Okay, yes, Adidas pants. I had Adidas pants. Oh, yeah, Adidas. Pants. I went to go see the movie Air with Kevin. It was really good. Oh, okay. I enjoyed it. Cool. I would see that. Yeah, it has nothing to do really with Michael Jordan though. It's all like the marketing of the shoe. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. shoe. Yeah. Okay. Just to make that clear. Okay. Because some people think it's about him, and it's not. Like, um, but he has a Netflix. Yes. Series on right now. Well, Anyways, yeah. Tearaways and Adidas were pretty cool too. But they, yes. they, first of all, they also cost a fortune. And if you didn't wear the Adidas pair and you wore the knockoff, like, fuck it. You were, I you had, were getting invited to I anything. had one pair of Adidas pants that my mom got me. And they were like, those were probably my cozy casual pants. Yeah. And I tried to be cool by wearing them with like a tighter tank top. But yeah. like, with I did spaghetti straps that you weren't allowed to wear to school. Well, it was a thicker strap. Okay. So I was allowed to wear it. But three, three fingers, Sarah. Exactly. Yeah, it was a thicker. I like watched Euphoria, and I was like, "How the fuck are they getting away with this?" I don't. I don't watch that oh, show. That's good. I've heard that. Anyway, 
We're not superstitious, but we're a little stitious. Bye. Bye. This is a good rant. I can't wait to get this. I can't.